take a lot of things for granted in our culture, don't we not? Until we have nothing, until we, we lose that privilege, we lose certain abilities, we lose certain power, take it for granted. We learn to cherish the value of the faith community when everything else gets stripped away. Think about how much we rely on so many things in our world. Think about how much our everyday lives are governed by conveniences, technology, We've created such a consumer culture that everything that exists helps us to get over and get through and get past being inconvenienced. Everything is about saving time, trying to give us more time. I just watched an hour-long infomercial about a, you know, a rotisserie chicken cooker. I'm probably not worried about time. And all this modern com, you know, com, you know, conveniences and technology is all to bolster the consumer mindset to avoid discomfort. To make us more self-reliant. To make ourselves more self-sufficient. I don't need other people because I've got this technology. I've got this and that. I don't need other people in my life. But imagine everything being stripped away in a second. All of the consumer-driven technology and conveniences, comforts, gone. All of our life-sustaining things, manufacturing, fuel, power, food resources, everything gone. So that we're literally back in the Bible days, or at least the 1800s. Because if we always read the Bible through our lens of modern 21st, you know, 20th, 20th and 21st century technological industrial revelation mindset, like even this morning, I was reading about uh, when, you know, when when the the, the Gibeonites who uh, were, were in, uh, or Gideon, Gideonites? The, the, the people that Israel made a, con, a, a treaty with were in trouble. And unless God had told them, they wouldn't have known. There was no phone calls. There was no posting on social media, we're getting attacked. No. 
unless God had told them to go, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have saved, saved that people. So what is it that we're trying to get out this morning? What is all of this? You know, I have a flair for the dramatic sometimes, as you know. Why? Like, what is the purpose of our understanding this morning? What is it that God wants us to get from here this morning? That we were created and newly created as his church, as believers, as saints, with a deep and profound need for one another. Talking about going back to the simple faith. Last week, we talked about the simplicity of our faith. Choosing this day whom we will serve. Will we serve the world, its comforts and consumerism, or will we serve the Lord? Will we we serve that which is ruled over by pagan gods, patriotism and nationalism, or will we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords and his kingdom established in his blood? And the simplicity of that faith, allegiance to Christ, allegiance to that faith, and walking in the new covenant, walking in joy, walking in peace. And this week, the simplicity of that understanding that we were created and newly created as believers, as saints in Jesus Christ, with a profound need for one another. Holistically, emotionally, physically, we need to embrace one another. We talked about that before the COVID shutdown. Emotionally, physically, psychologically, our thinking, our minds, our knowledge together, growing in our faith and growing in the knowledge of his word. And most importantly, spiritually. We need each other. We're talking about the, def- the definition, definition of need. Basically something that is that we have a, a requirement for that if we don't get, it will actually cause us harm. We need each other in the church. Yes, we need each other in our families. Yes, we need father, fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, fathers, mothers, children, together in a household, loving one another, serving one another. That is the first and primary ministry of a Christian family. But we cannot forget the ministry one to another in the church. We need one another as the family of God. And so this, this morning, I'm talking about that, I want to talk about that change of mind, that change of our thinking from isolationist, consumer-driven to cultivating and serving, investing, from consuming to cultivating, understanding who we are and, and, that, and what brings us together. So what is our purpose? I'm going to read here in, in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. This is uh, verses 10 through, four, 10, uh, through 14 and then 18 to 25. It says this, By God's will we have been purified and made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus the Messiah. Yet every day, still, 
to this day, even back then he was, he's writing this, every day priests still serve ritually, offering the same sacrifices again and again. Sacrifices that can never take away sin's guilt. But when the priest had offered the one supreme sacrifice for sin for all time, he sat down on the throne at the right hand of God, waiting until all his whispering enemies are subdued and turn into his footstool. And by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. Let's give me to verse 18. So if our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, why would we ever need to offer another sacrifice for sin? And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm boldly and without hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life, a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity. And we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God, inside and out. And then I want to take a look at, at God's intention for us as this church specifically. This is a wonderful letter from Paul to, the, to our Ephesian brothers and sisters. This is Ephesians 4, uh, 11 and 12. He said this, And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace uh, to be preachers, some with grace to be shepherds, and others to be wise orators or teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. This is our purpose. This is our purpose as a church, is to be the church. And out of our identity, out of who we are in Christ, out of who we are as his beloved bride, come what we do. Out of a mutual building up of love and encouragement one to another comes our identity, and what we do with our faith. Think about that, that passage, that last part of, of Hebrews chapter 10. Oh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't read the most important part. So now, wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge one another onward as we anticipate the day dawning the day of Christ, the day of the Lord. We exist, what these passages are telling us is that we exist as the church to love 
one another. Cultivating powerful and effective ways of encouraging one another. As a reminder, like last week, we talked about, you know, we who believe the gospel of God's kingdom are the church. And this, this week is what we, who we are as the church and what God has encouraged us to do. Encourage each other all the time to build one another up in love, to find, I love that, new and creative ways to encourage one another. New and creative ways to build up the body of Christ in love. Why do we do that? Why do we, why do, we do this in our lives? Like, why, why do, what has God called us to do? As we talked about last week, there's a word that I, that I brought up called posture. What is our posture, our posture before God? Is it a posture of, I'm going to add a little bit of Jesus to my life. I'm going to add a faith to my life to make my life better. Again, to go back to that consuming like everything in our lives is about, is about the producers that are out there, like the production lines and the distribution, Amazon, Smith's, you know, meat packing, or, you know, that meat packing plant over there, or that farm, or this farm. I just noticed that, you know, farm, that town and country changed their milk supplier to, to, to what, another one, food club, to food club instead of this, like, uh, country classics farm, diff- a different distributor, a different producer of milk. So all of these things are producers for us, the consumer. But I think about my wife, and I think about what she's been doing this summer. And what she just finished doing. So she finished packing some spaghetti sauce to, to put in the, in the pantry. She just finished chopping up and dicing up all of these green peppers to freeze. She just, you know, she's still waiting on the corn to finish to finish you know, maturing before we can pick it off and, and put it in, and preserve it. We have the tomato plants you know, hanging in the, in the garage because of the freeze that happened a couple weeks ago to let them ripen on the vine. And thinking about, you know, I'm not just you know, lifting her up just a praiser or a worshiper, but just this, that element I want us to understand of what it looks like to be a cultivator. Cultivating. Not just producing, like not just being a producer and just the consumers consuming, but being a cultivator. Because a cultivator gets to partake and to enjoy the fruits of his or her labor. Right, Neil? You get to plant a garden and you enjoy the fruit, literally, of your labor. Unless it doesn't grow. <laughs> you are become a rancher and you raise animals. And you... You know, and you raise them and you, and you multiply them and you grow this herd of animals in order to have your own meat and also to provide meat and provide things for others. And this made me think about the early church because I don't, I don't think in our, us in our American culture understand this very well about why the power of the early church was, the, why they were, the, the early church is so powerful, why sharing with one another was so was such a, an incredible thing to do. Well, I want us to get an, a glimpse uh, into the life of the early church. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in mind and heart. Selfishness was not a part of their community, for they shared everything they had with one another. 
The apostles gave powerful testimonies about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great measures of grace rested upon them all. Some who owned houses or land sold them and brought the proceeds before the apostles to distribute to those, who, uh, to those without. Not a single person among them was needy. Not a single person among them was in need. They had this posture toward one another that was powerful, compassionate, loving. It wasn't a consumer mindset of, you've got all the things that you need and I'm going to have all the things that I need and then we might hang out. But these people understood because, again, going back to Imagine everything's gone. Out of all of our modern conveniences, all of our mass production, all of our mass, mass consumerism is gone. Imagine a life like this. Have you cultivated, ask yourself this question, have you cultivated meaningful relationships that would, that would help each other if the lights went out? Are we a city? Are we a church? A community of faith? that is close and loving for one another, that if the lights went out, everything was gone. Imagine some catastrophe you know, happening one day, you know, something happening to the, to the grid in our country. All the lights, all the power is gone. Society as we know it crumbles. You know, it's, it's been, this, this thought has been interesting on, on my heart just you know, as we look at, uh, navigate this our, our, our political sphere, our you know, racial sphere, our, you know, the, the rising tension in our world because of that, the virus which will not be named. How we cultivated relationships in our lives. That if something could, you know, catastrophic happened, that we wouldn't be like all these preppers and just abandon society and go out in the hills and you know, have enough ammo stored up to defend ourselves. That's one interesting thing. With my research in this, I've been, I've been curious about this for the last couple of weeks. And as I, as I look in more and more into the world of the prepper, right? You heard of this word, the preppers? It's not a preppy, like, you know, like some you know, college guy with his, with his you know, collar popped. But a prepper, a prepper is someone who's preparing for the apocalypse, preparing for the grid to go down and people to go crazy. And so he's like storing up on all this ammo and, and, and doing all this stuff to protect him and his family. There's even a show about this in the Carolinas. There's a show about this prepper family. And the, the father is like teaching him how to shoot and aim and, and how they're like living in this barricaded castle with a moat around it and all these things. It's, 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 it's a TV show and they haven't released, released the location of this, of course, for obvious reasons. But it's you know, but to look into the lives and to hear the what the you know the and read the comments of these different preppers, it's so striking to me how every single one of these people is kill or be killed. Isolationist. I'm going to defend me and my family against everyone, anyone, and every everything else. If stuff hits the fan, my family is going to be taken care of, and y'all can just go and die. And Amber and I were even talking about this. You know, would we would we go out to back back to Idaho? Like, no. Like, we're we're here. Like, God has called us to this place 
for a specific reason. So if stuff at the fan, what is it that God has called us to be as his church, as his people together, being there for one another, leading, providing leadership for all of us to be together, to, be, to act like the Acts church, providing for one another, for any, so that no one had a physical need. Maybe all of us go out to, you know, we abandon the city and go out to someone's property out in the field. But it's, and I don't speak this sermon to, to stir up fear or anxiety or anything like that about, you know, let's, let's get ready for the catastrophe. EMP is going to hit. You know, what I'm saying is, is, it's just, it's to think about our faith through a different lens. To think about who we are and how we operate as God's people together with all this modern technology should be how we would operate and love and serve one another without all the technology. If we're truly authentic to who we are as the church, we have to remember that this Bible was written to people without power, without electricity. They were tapped into the, to the real power of the Holy Spirit. God's voice in their lives. We need to be relational preppers. <laughs> Because remember, we need each other. Like a prepper preps for disaster with water. He's storing up food, water, cover, shelter. We need to invest in what is vital for us as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And that is relationships one with another. That we do indeed bear with one another. We bear each other's burdens. We help one another. We're there for each other. Serving, cultivating. Like someone cultivates a garden, we're cultivating relationships. We're cultivating friendships. We're cultivating that which is truly meaningful in the church. We need each other. Like I hope that we'll never have to fully understand. I don't hope for a catastrophe. But I hope that we will engage. Because imagine being in a church and yet being isolated relationally. Simple. A simple faith. A simple church. Not just being simple-minded, but being focused. Where does our attention and our focus in our everyday lives go? Even the apostles in the Didache posed the, you know, posed to the church. They said, gather with the church daily. See your brothers and sisters, not like all together, but like at least see or talk to one of your brothers and sisters in Christ daily. For what? Encouraging one another to speak truth to one another. And as Paul says to the Ephesian church, and all these things happening, relationships happening and flourishing, our, you know, our, our ministry here at the, in, in, in our church, in the people of God flourishing, looks like a body building itself up in love. 
your life being flourished, grown, you feeling safe, secure, loved. That you know the truth. That you're reminded of the truth and the truth has set you free. Set you free from fear. Set you free from anxiety. Set you free. Set you free from wrong thinking, wrong living. And you're engaging in truth. You're engaging in life and love, compassion, joy, love, and peace. So I like the song that they were singing right before the lights went out. When the music fades and all is stripped away, we simply come. We come to God's presence and we come together into each other's presence, knowing that God speaks and encourages and builds up the body in love. Holy Spirit, we, we pray to your great power that we would listen. That when all is stripped away, we simply come. Lord, we need to see the value of relationships in the church. Of encouragement one to another. Asking you your heart for your church. Knowing that you want to change our lives every day. Growing us, maturing us, bringing more revelations of joy and gladness and love, and peace, and compassion, growing our faith, bolstering our hope. So Lord, help us to get the distractions out of our lives. Help us to focus on what truly matters. You are king in your kingdom, your church, and one another. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.